Episode 6, Emigrant's Story. Hello and welcome to Famine Monologues, a new six-part fictional series on the Irish famine, written by Anna Carey and performed by leading Irish actors as part of the Great Famine Project on rte.ie forward slash history. In this episode, we meet a young Irish emigrant who travels to Liverpool hoping to escape the famine. The emigrant is played by Katrina Ennis. They say they're going to start sending us home. There's so many of us in Liverpool now. You can walk down an alley in some parts of the city and hear nothing but Irish spoken. But more and more, the people here talk about us like we're an infestation. Like something that gets into a sack of green and spoils it. feels like a hundred years since I used to sit in your grave and tell you all my secrets. Mammy and Daddy were alive then. Liam too. And the baby. And Tom O'Brien. Poor Tom. He tried to get help from Moira in the town, but didn't he collapse on the way and he never woke up again? And him... Such a fine, strapping man. But he wasn't so strong. Not at the end. I was the only one not to get the fever. I don't know why. After everyone was gone, I didn't know what to do. But I knew there was no life for me there. I washed myself in the stream and walked to the town. And by a miracle, I found a job. I knocked on the door of a fine farmhouse. And didn't it turn out that the maid had just that day left because she'd fallen down the stairs and broken her ankle? I felt sorry for the poor thing. But if it wasn't for that maid, I don't know if I'd be alive now. They gave me the job because they were desperate. And yet, I hope I did my duty for them. I think I did. It was hard work in the O'Connor's farm, but we had a roof over our heads, and it was on that farm that I met Michael. He worked in the stables, and he had a fine way with the horses. I hadn't been there for more than six months when he asked for my hand, and what could I do but say yes? He was saving his pennies, he said, to go to Liverpool, and he wanted me to come with him. He was sure we could get jobs over in England. Aren't we fine, strong, young people, he said. And can't we speak English as well as anyone, which is more than some of the poor creatures who've gone there can do. So that's what we did. When Michael had enough to pay for our fares, we left the O'Connors and walked east. We walked all the way to Dublin, and it was there that we got the boat that took us across the sea. I thought I was going to die on that boat. It was so crowded, and everyone sick and wailing with fear. When we finally staggered down onto the docks at Liverpool, I nearly kissed the ground with relief. And Michael laughed and said we'd be all right now. 
but we weren't all right. We thought there'd be plenty of places to find rooms, and there may have been, but they didn't want to give those rooms to us. We walked for hours, knocking on doors to no avail, and I was nearly dead with tiredness because not a moment of sleep had I had on that boat. Michael bought a loaf of bread in a bakery, and we ate half of it, but we saved the other half for the next day. After a while, it was getting dark, and we still had nowhere to lay our heads. Then Michael saw a graveyard. No one will disturb us there, he said. It didn't feel wrong to lie among the dead. I had to lie among my own dead at home, when Mammy and Daddy and the baby died on the same night. I don't think the dead mind. We found a corner by a small tomb and Michael put his arms around me and we tried to sleep. I think I managed an hour or so. At least it was a dry night or I might not have slept at all. The next day we ate the rest of the bread, continued our quest until one woman took pity on us. She couldn't give us a room but she directed us to the part of the city where the Irish had found refuge. We followed her instructions, and what a sight met our eyes. Everything was dark and dirty, and as I walked through these damp and narrow alleys, I longed for the fields and wide skies of home. But some things were all too familiar to me. The thin, ravaged faces, the voices speaking in Irish and English, and a mixture of the two. We saw a long line of people standing outside a building and asked a woman at the end what they were doing. She told us it was a kitchen run by the local Catholic church who had been helping feed the Irish arrivals. They've been trying to look after us, she said, and she coughed until her shoulders shook. And there are other groups too, giving out the food. The city gives out something, but they can't feed us all. She coughed again, and I asked her if she was well. She laughed, or at least she tried to. Sure, none of us are well, she said. They call it the Irish fever. Didn't one of the doctors say Liverpool has become the hospital and cemetery of Ireland? But it's not like your burying ground, with the green fields around it and the clouds racing above. It was thanks to that woman that we found a home, or something like it. She told us of a house that might take us in, and when we went there, they said we could share a room with another family, a man and woman and three emaciated children. It was raining by then, so we said yes. I heard one of the children coughing on the first night. The next day he had a rash on his chest and his sister was coughing too. The day after that they lost control of their bells and the mother had a fever. We tried to keep our distance and we went out during the daytime but sure weren't we all in the same room all night? And weren't we driven back there for shelter sometimes during the day? 
I thought we wouldn't be here that long. I was sure Michael would get a job looking after horses. You never saw anyone as good with those animals as him. And I thought I might get a job scrubbing for some family. But we've been looking for two weeks now and no one wants us. Michael started coughing two days ago. Yesterday he started vomiting. I couldn't go out to look for work. I couldn't leave him. And besides, I'm coughing myself and my bowels aren't right. I'm hot now as well. I think I might be talking to you out loud now, even though I started to talk to you in my head. I wish we'd never come here. I wish I could stop shivering. I want to fall asleep, but I'm afraid I won't wake up if I do. Do you think we'll all be together in the next world? Even if I'm laid to rest in a strange country? Do you think we'll ever see each other again? This series is a partnership between RTE, the Department of Tourism, Culture, Arts, Gaeltacht, Sport and Media, and University College Cork's Atlas of the Great Irish Famine. Produced by Ethna Hand, with sound design by John John Megan. For more information about emigration during and after the famine, go to rte.ie forward slash history.